Well, good morning. Good to see everybody here today. Good to have those of you that are joining us through the internet. Uh, you just saw a, a kind of a little presentation of one of our campus teams. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but every four or five weeks since the, over this winter, we've been introducing a different team and what that team does uh, in our church family, on our staff, and uh, kind of an appropriate day to introduce to you our campus ministry, our, our campus out in Midlothian, because today is their three-year anniversary uh, we've had three years out there. Yeah, that's exciting, isn't it? And uh, it's been a learning experience, and we've had some uh, bumps along the way in starting something like this, being a church in, in two locations. You know, when we went out there, obviously that first Sunday was made up of people who were entirely from this building. Uh, they were from this campus. Do you know today... All, very few people that make up that congregation have ever even been in this building. It, it has grown so that the people that are going there now were reached and uh, by that campus, by that culture out there. And so we're excited about the way that is growing and, and the year that is, is coming ahead. So we're uh, excited to be celebrating that anniversary. Well, today we are starting a, a new series on the family called By Design. And, uh, you know, I always think of a family as a, as a story. You know, Karen and I have a story and you know you get married and you you kind of turn a page and you know then you get a new job or you get a house and maybe a child comes along and you're just you're kind of turning these pages like that man our story right now is I mean the pages are just flying by I I don't know if that's happened with you but uh we just got so many major intersections we're flying through in our house right now three months away uh from being empty nesters we've had a child in the home since 1990 and uh, uh, three months from now, that will, won't have one in the home. And six months from now, uh, I'm going to be a grandfather. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be grandparents. Our, our oldest child, Mary Beth, and her husband, Kevin, so excited about that. I think I'm excited. That's just, you know, there's this one part of me that's just super excited. Another part of me thinking, I'm a grandfather. That sounds so, I don't want to say it out loud because it might be offensive to some, but I just, I'm not that old. I didn't say old. I didn't say old. But uh, gosh, it's just an exciting time uh, as we are just kind of going through our story. You know, when you have a story, you have good memories and bad memories, right? You know, one of the best, the best memories that, that Karen and I have, uh, specifically of a trip that we took together, uh, was two years ago, I think this day. It was April 2nd or 3rd, we were coming home from just about the best trip we'd ever been on. It was a trip you sent us on to Israel. And uh, we went there, and I mean, the, just the, the travel was smooth and easy. The, the food and accommodations were just top shelf. And, and then, of course, there, there was what we were there to do, man, to walk where Jesus walked, to see the, the Bible unfold in, in the real-life places that it happened. And, I mean, just everything about it was so wonderful. It was just such an incredible incredible trip. So, you know, you've got that on the chapter of your story of great memories, great vacations, great trips. Then, then you have the other chapter, right, of not, not such good trips. My, you know, I think my worst memory, now Karen wasn't with me on this one, but uh, my, my worst memory of a trip would be Yerevan, Armenia. I know you probably just got back from there, didn't you? Um, 
Yerevan, Armenia, and it wasn't actually Yerevan's fault. Uh, the night before I flew to, to Yerevan, I was in Tbilisi, another place I'm sure you frequent. Uh, I was in Tbilisi, and I, I, we were leaving the next day. I was leaving the next day. I went to the hotel restaurant and had dinner, and I, along with what I understand is about 100 other people, got food poisoning. And so, you know, started feeling bad through the night, woke up, you know, with it, and, and then had to fly on a small prop plane. Yeah, mix those two things together, you know, and, and so flew to, to, to Yerevan, landed at the airport, went straight to the hotel, and never left. Never left the hotel the entire time. As a matter of fact, I never, I'm not 100% sure I left the tile floor in the bathroom. Uh, the, I don't even remember. I think I was there five or six days. I mean, it was just one of those times. I haven't had many, but you know, when you say, God, could you kill me? Please. And when you're laying on a tile floor in a foreign country, you, you know, it seems like a pretty good option. He didn't. Um, I was a little upset. I kind of wanted him to at that point. But uh, so that's, that's the horrible memory, right? You know, you have the same, right? You, you, you think, man, this was the best trip, the best vacation. You got another one that, you know, that goes in the other category. That, that was not a, a good trip. Now, here's my question for you this morning. Were they the same trip? No, not, not usually. I mean, I, I would imagine in some kind of weird parallel universe, your worst trip and your best trip could be the same one. But that's, that's just not usually the case. Usually our best trip is over here in this category and our worst trip is over there and our best boss, he's over here or she and our worst boss is way over there on the bad side, right? Best event ever, worst event. I mean, these are separate things until we talk about the home, until we talk about the family. All of a sudden, the best and the worst commingle. How does that happen? How can you have one address, one roof that can house some of our best, most loving memories, but have the same potential to house some of our hurts? Maybe bad hurts, maybe bad disappointments. How, how can that happen at the, at the same place? Well, folks, I've, I've got kind of a, I think, a simple reason for how and why this happens. Kind of simple, kind of practical. Here it is. The home houses the sinners that you can't get away from. You're stuck there. Your home does not, it does not house the worst people in the world. You've got people you work with. You've got people you go to school with that are much worse than anybody in your home. You just can't get away from the ones in your home. You think about the people that frustrate you, that anger you, that, that, that attack you, that betray you. When they're at school, when they're at work, I mean, while it might create conflict and while it might be difficult to deal with them, you can't ultimately get away, Right? You, you can remove yourself. You can put distance. It's a little bit more tricky, though, when some of that hurt, some of that betrayal, some of that anger and frustration is happening inside the home. You, you, you can't get away. You can't put any distance there. God, why did you do that? God, why did you trap me in the house with these other sinners? 
Well, folks, that's what we're going to try to answer today and, and really over the next five or six weeks. What was God doing? What was he thinking when he created the idea of the family and trapped me in here with them? Now, we're going to start this morning with a kind of a quick Bible study trying to discern what, what was God thinking? What's the reason? What's the purpose of the family? And I want to start and I I think a familiar passage, it comes out of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. You'll see it again in Deuteronomy 5 and Ephesians 6. But the verse here says, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land. That's a phrase that, man, so that your, your days might be good, so that your life might be prosperous, secure, successful. This is, I mean, this phrase represents the life you want. Honor your parents so you get the life you want that the Lord your God is giving to you. Now, does God give this command to us as children or to our children because parents are always so worthy of being honored? No, of course not. That, that's not it, it at all. So, so why does he give this command? Imagine God bringing a gift to, your, to the toddler. I don't know how the toddler is, two, three years old. And he brings this gift and the, the three-year-old opens it up and it's, it's this command. And God says, now, here's my gift to you. It's, it's my first command to you. And, and you've got to work on this command with the first relationship that I've put you in with a, a mom and a dad. And if you can learn, if you can learn that obeying me is about obeying me. It's not about what somebody else is doing, what somebody else deserves, how somebody else is responding. If you make obedience about those things, you'll never obey because they don't deserve it. They don't respond right. They're not acting right. But if you can learn that it's about me, then you're going to be obedient. You're going to be able to take on all the other commands and life just works when that happens. So, so we have the beginning here of, of the purpose of the home is, folks, we, we exercise, we work on these commands. Think of the home as a lab. It's a, what, what do you have in a lab? You've got a lot of activity going on, some of it even dangerous, but it's, it's controlled, it's safe. The home is a lab. It's a place where we work out, we work on these commands that God has given us. And the idea, right, the idea is that this is a safe place to work this out. That this is with people who love me and, and I love them. Because see, sooner or later, you and I got to walk out the door. And we got to walk out into a world prepared to follow God, prepared to obey God. And it's not always safe. And it's not always with people who love us. So see, in the home, I'm working that out. I'm, I'm practicing and I'm, I'm getting good at this. So you could say that a, a purpose of the home, kind of a, I'll use a Bible word to start off with. It'd be the word discipleship. The, the, the purpose of the home is to train, it's to teach. And don't, I'm going to use words, you're going to think I'm talking about parenting. This isn't just one direction, parents to kids. It's parents to kids, it's kids to parents. The whole unit is working together so, so that we are growing in the Lord. We're understanding who he is and we're doing the, the things that he's called us to do. Now, I don't want to... I don't want you to hear that definition and reduce the home down to just transferring religious beliefs and the rules that go with them. 
Okay, it's, it's much more dynamic than that. It's much more relational than that. Look at another passage, Deuteronomy 6.2. says, teach to obey. Now, I put these three words there. That's just kind of summarizing the sentence, the verse coming into this. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son, and your son's son. Okay, so we, we have a passage here that says, okay, now the, the purpose... Uh, or, or, or is to, to fear the Lord. Okay, now, we're not always good with that phrase. Folks, it simply means to, to be living in a right and a good relationship with God. Okay, the, the purpose of the home is to teach that. Look at that. We get this, this call to fear the Lord. And who's it for? You and your son and your son's son. So God is picturing this entire family dynamic grandparents, parents, kids, grandkids. The entire structure is producing people who fear God. The entire structure is producing people who, who, who love God, who are walking with God, who are living in a right and a good relationship with God. Again, don't think of it as just one day. This is what a, one way is what adults are doing for kids. The whole structure together is growing in the Lord. What we have in the home, this is the big takeaway today, this next sentence. What we have in the home is a primary instrument it is a primary set of relationships that we're going to learn about God and how to walk with God. I've got to do that in all the events in life. I've got to do that with all of the relationships in life. But this is a primary. This is, this is the relationships where I'm going to do this the very, very most. Let me show you one other uh, verse from the law. This is Leviticus 19. You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now, that's a big one, isn't it? That, that's kind of what I would call like one of the big commands of Scripture. This is the command of the Bible. Be holy like God. And what's the rest of the Bible? Tells us what that looks like and how to do it. So here we've got this huge command. You shall be holy for I the Lord your God am holy. And where does the next sentence go? Every one of you shall revere his mother and father. Now, you can certainly look at that as the specific command given. But another way to look at this is here's this big command and where does God go to next? The home. He takes us back to the home, back to the family relationship as he gives us this huge command. Why? Because the home is going to be the primary place. Not the only place. But it's a primary place. It's a place that houses a lot of hours, a lot of work, a lot of effort at being holy like God. Let me give you one more verse. Now, this is in the New Testament and is specifically related to marriage. You, you find this in Ephesians 5. I'm going to read verses 31 and 32. But the passage actually begins back in verse 21, verse 22, goes to verse 33. And what you have in this passage is the longest passage on marriage in the Bible. It's the longest passage giving very practical, very detailed instruction about how a husband and how a wife relate together and live together in a marriage. And so God gives this long instruction and then he says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Do you, you see the switcheroo that God just did on us there? Here, here he's been talking for 11 verses uh, about marriage. Very detailed, very practical instruction. And then all of a sudden he says, oh, by the way, I'm actually talking about Jesus and his relationship in the church. 
Because that's a purpose of marriage. A purpose of marriage is that is a place you learn. Now think of all that goes on in your marriage. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's all of that that gives you an opportunity to learn to be like Christ. And to grow in Christ. That's, I wonder how many couples walked back down the aisle yesterday knowing that's what they just did. Knowing that's the primary purpose of this thing they just entered called marriage. So folks, what we've done here is we've gotten a a really fast Bible study, a real quick one, trying to see what does the scripture communicate as the purpose. And folks, the purpose of the home is not, it's not love and it's not happiness. I'm going to let that settle in for effect, okay? And now I'm going to say, I'm not saying God doesn't want you to experience love and happiness in your home and in those relationships. I'm not saying that love and happiness can't and more than likely will be a byproduct of the purpose. No, love and happiness is something we very much want to experience in our home, but it is not the purpose. That, that, that is huge to understand, folks. See, if I think the purpose is, is that I feel loved and I feel happy, and, and then I pull up into the driveway and I walk inside and it's, I'm not feeling real happy right at the moment. You know, this right here, not making me so happy. This right here, not making me feel loved. And, and if that's my goal, then what do I do? I start to, I start to push away. I start to detach Maybe even worse, I start looking for, hey, listen, I mean, ultimately the goal of life is to be happy, it's to be loved, and this isn't doing it, so I need to find option number two. But if I understand that, hey, wait a minute, God certainly cares about love, God certainly cares about about happiness, but he said the goal of all this is holiness. And so now all of a sudden I'm looking at this situation or this relationship going, oh, okay, now wait a minute. Okay, it's not just about how I feel. What is God doing in this? God is using this to make me holy. You see, folks, every situation going on in your home, every relationship going on in your home is a place to grow in Christ-likeness. And and add one more little piece to this, and it's the place you can't quit. It's the place you can't quit. You see, I've got... Now, I'm implying that there's other places you can. No, we don't quit obeying God anywhere and in any relationship. But let, now let's just be honest and practical. Okay, so we come to church and, and we're told, you know, the message, the Bible we're reading says, okay, we need to be forgiving people. We need to forgive. And I think, okay, I'm, gonna, I, I'm convicted about this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on being forgiving this week. And so I go to, I go to work, I, I go to school, and I know there's this person there that I'm a little bit sideways with. You know, we don't, we don't care for each other. Can we just say that? And so, but, oh, I need to forgive. And so I'm, I'm going to do it today. I'm going to try to be nice. I'm going to try to say, hey, things are okay with me. If they're, you know, and so I step out there, and what do they do? They act like a complete, you fill in the blank, you know? They don't do what I thought they were going to do. That's not what I was praying about on Sunday when I was sitting in church. You see, you and I leave church, or we, we've been reading God's Word, and we close it, and we head off to obey. We head off to try to do this, and all of a sudden, this person's not responding right. They're not acting right. They, so what do I do? I, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not, I'm not forgiving them. You know, I, I just, I just kind of back away from it. I got to put some distance there. That's a little bit tricky to do in the home, isn't it? 
See, in the home, that conflict, that, that thing that's not right is always there. And I hate to use this word because it has such bad connotations, but it's like God on purpose trapped me there. You're going to learn. I mean, folks, hear, hear God saying this. Hey, listen, you're going to learn to forgive. Do you realize your only chance in eternity, your only chance in this universe is forgiveness? The forgiveness I've given you, and I want you to learn it, and you're stuck here till you get it. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I mean, just trying to think through this practically, what's happening. Now, that's, I got to forgive out in the world too, but it's just easy to detach and quit. In the home, not so easy. Not so easy. You know, another thing about obedience that's different from inside the home and out in the world is just kind of, I don't know, obedience can be kind of hit and miss out in the world. Again, not saying that's the way it should be. But let's say we came to church today and we read 1 Thessalonians 5.18, be, be encouraged. No, I think that's 5.11. Be encouraging. Encourage one another. Okay, I'm going to be an encouraging person. And so I, I head to work tomorrow or school and I, I look around and I think, I don't I don't think anybody needs to be encouraged here. They all look like they're happy. Maybe that... No, I'm not going to encourage him. I haven't forgiven him yet. <laughs> you know, see, see, we leave and I really... I want to obey. I want to do the things that the scripture tells me to do. And so I go charging into a week and I don't know. It just... Nothing really hit me. And by the way, folks, it's there every day. But it's just... I'm just being honest and practical. We just miss it. I don't, I don't really see anybody that needs to be encouraged. And if that rolls on to Wednesday, well, by the time Wednesday rolls around, we forgot what the sermon was about, right? That didn't even happen. I don't know if the preacher was there Sunday. You know, it's gone. But when we hear about being encouraging and we go home next, see, that's not such a hit and miss. We know how to be encouraging in the home. We know, boy, I tell you what, here God wants me to be encouraging. I know this would encourage my mate if I would say this or if I would do this. Man, I know what's going on over here in this child's life. If I could come alongside and say or do this. See, we know. As a matter of fact, if you don't know what would encourage your mate, if you don't know what would be encouraging to one of your children, small or adult, You've got a problem. You've got a huge problem. If you're scratching your head right now going, you know, I'm not sure how I would encourage my mate. I don't, I don't really know what, they, what would do that for them or, or, or one of my children. Let me, let me tell you something. <laughs> if you have no clue how to encourage the people in your home, you're not a part of what God is doing in your life. And I know, you're sitting, I'm sitting here in church this morning. You're not a part of what God is doing in your life if you don't have a clue how you would encourage the people in your home. Man, I got to know. Now, sometimes the problem is, oh, I do know, I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> but we got to know. This is, the, this is the place. This is the relationships. God said, here, you need to get it. Here you need to do it. Here we need to practice it. And, and, and yes, it can be frustrating and challenging. I mean, nobody wants problems in their home with their kids, with their mate. Nobody wants that. But at the same time, folks, we shouldn't run with our hair on fire going, Oh my gosh, what's happened? What's wrong? Hey, wait a minute. This is, 
This is my opportunity. This is what I'm here to do. I'm here to grow in Christ. I'm here to understand what Christ is, what he would be doing, how he would respond, and to be that in this place. And you know what, folks, why it can be a challenge? There is no more rewarding place to be like Jesus than in your home. I'm going to tell you something, if, 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 if you knock it out of the park, you hit a home run with a stranger, with an enemy, at work, that's awesome, it's cool, it works, there's reward for that. But I'm going to tell you something, nothing compares to being what Christ wants you to be, to growing in likeness than when you do that inside your home. So that's what we're going to be looking at these next five or six weeks, just how do we do that? Matter of fact, next week, the specific thing we'll be looking at is, big one, love. Love, love between mates, between parents and children, between siblings. This is a a big word inside of a home, love. We're going to take this principle and and we're going to apply it to to that issue next week. But but folks, if you, man, we don't just never make it back. I don't know. I, I had a Sunday last year in April where I came to church fully expecting to be back the next Sunday, and I, I missed the next six. So it happens, right? Okay, so if that happens to you, you, you leave today fully intending to be here next week, and we don't see you again to the middle of June. Gosh, I hope that's not the case. <laughs> but just think of, the, think of the takeaway today. You know, I actually think this whole concept that the home... This is a primary instrument. This is a primary set of relationships that I am to learn about Christ, become like Christ. That's an earthquake. (laughs) That is cataclysmic to our understanding of the home. I'm not making an accusation about you. I'm not confessing something about myself. But folks, people are not getting married thinking this is the person that God is going to use. The good, the bad, and the ugly. But my relationship with him, this is what God's going to use to make me like Jesus. When we start having kids and going through that, all of that and all that's invo- involved in that, the, the super highs and lows, the emotions of all, this is, this is what God is using. We're not approaching it. And, and how can you make something work if you don't even understand why it was given to you? If you don't even know the purpose of the instrument that you picked up, how's it going to work? So it's a big deal to understand this. Let me give you one more illustration. You know, talking about love next week, thinking about marriage a little bit. You know, if you were to look at your mate, and you've never done this. This is just purely hypothetical. But if you were to look at your mate and think, boy, they expect a lot and they give little. And it never happened for you. I know. I know. But just Hypothetical. They expect so much, they want so much, they demand so much, they're never happy, they're never satisfied, and they give nothing. Man, what happens when that's going on? Don't we get a little inner dialogue going, a little inner conversation? They never do. They don't do that. They don't love me. We do all the way to work. You know, building up, by the way, just some wonderful, warm, fuzzy feelings for when we return home, Right? And so, see, we're building all of that up. And as I'm talking that up inside me, guess what? I'm not heading toward Christ-likeness in that moment, am I? No, of course not. But what if I were to stop and say, hey, wait a minute. Okay, this is not fun. This is not fulfilling. 
But God said, this is why I brought you into marriage. This is why I brought you into a home, into a family. It's to grow in Christ's likeness. And so now I've got to stop and think. Instead of just getting angry and frustrated and saying all these things in my mind that just make things worse, where I start to exaggerate and lie to myself, instead of doing all that, I start thinking, hey, wait a minute, what, what does Christ have for me in this? What, what, in this moment, the way I'm feeling, what, what does he want me to learn? What, and, you know, then it dawns on me, hey, I wonder... I wonder if Jesus has ever thought about me the way I think about my mate right now. I wonder if Jesus could ever say of me, boy, that Randy, he is all demand and he doesn't give anything. I mean, really think about it. In you and me and our relationship, what do we bring to the table? How, How is Christ so enriched to be in relationship with you? What is it we're doing that's making him and his home so much better? Gosh, I just watch you and I feel so loved and happy. No, don't you think Christ could probably look at us and say, gosh, they want something all the time and they don't bring anything to their relationship. Wow. But he still loves me. He still loves me. He still forgives me. He's going to be there in the morning when I wake up and want to talk to him. By the way, I'll do all the talking. I don't let him talk much. And he'll listen. And he'll care. And all of a sudden, something that was going on between me and my mate is now giving me maybe some new insight and a new appreciation for how much Christ loves me. And as I think about how much Christ loves me in the same breath, that is also guiding me in what I should be doing in this moment. I should be loving. I should be listening. I should be forgiving. I should be caring. Yeah, but they're not doing it back for me. Yeah, I imagine Christ could say the same thing. But he kept on loving. He kept on listening. So see, now all of a sudden, this little problem has given me a new appreciation for Christ and his love. I've learned something about him. It's also motivated and moved me to begin acting in that way, loving like he loved. And that's the purpose. That's why God said we're going to do the home on this thing called earth. We're, we're, we're going to do the family. It's to grow in Christ's likeness. Again, that doesn't make everything okay at home. <laughs> that doesn't make everything fun. But man, doesn't it just take those problems and those frustrations and kind of raise them to a new level? Give some meaning and purpose that you can get your heart and mind behind and, and, and start working on? There's no more rewarding place to become like Christ than inside your marriage and inside your family. Let's take five weeks and see if we can understand that a little bit more and start working that out. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Gosh, Lord, you give us so many wonderful toys and we pick them up and we run with them and we play with them and never even understand what it is we've picked up. Don't read the instructions. Gosh, Lord, we're sorry. Marriage, the home, kids, parents, grandparents, grandkids, all your idea, all by your design. There was a purpose why you did it this way. And we live just huge chunks of time without ever thinking about that purpose. We're sorry for that, Lord. And we ask for your help. Uh, God, we just, just give you our heart and mind right here, right now. We give you this day and, and these next couple of weeks, God, just to 
ask that you would help us to think through what's going on in our home, what you're doing in our lives, what you want to do in our lives. Lord, I know in this room there are homes that cover a a wide spectrum. There are those that are healthy and strong and at least for the moment everything's running like it should. Lord, my experience tells me probably in this room right now is a couple that came in here today thinking, you know what, this might just be the last shot. They came in here today wondering if they'll even still be married by summertime. God, wherever we are on that spectrum, I would pray for each one of us an incredible opportunity to understand your purpose for giving us a family. And guide us in how we step into and live and work out that purpose. Oh, Lord, you already know, but I'm going to say it anyway. We sure need your help. We ask for this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.